Yeah, Jesus, thank you uh, for the, the joy with which we can celebrate that truth. The stone is rolled away, the tomb is empty, our Lord is risen. And in so doing, he's defeated our sin, he's defeated our death, and he's brought us to God. Thank you, Lord. So we pray uh, as the kids go out today that that would be the truth held before them, that they would see you clearly, uh, that they would know you as you are presented in your word, and that your spirit would ignite that same fire that Robin was talking about in their hearts as well, that they would be driven on in faith. Um, yeah, we pray for us as well as we uh, approach your word now. We ask that you would build us up to be more like Jesus, that you would show us Jesus, Lord, and in the, in the seeing of him, we would become more like him. We pray that as we uh, look to this, you would practically change us, that you would functionally make us different, Lord, such that the world could look at one of us and see the change that's happening in our hearts presented in our lives. We pray it in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The kids are going to pop out to Gospel Kids. I'm going to sit there for And I'm going to realise that I've set this way too low. For me. Ah, it wasn't me, was it? It was you. You did this to me. Thank you, Robin. Isn't it good to hear Robin's testimony? I, what I love in there is that when we think about a Christian testimony... Often we think of it as just that first bit, you know. God saved me, and that's changed me, and, and that's it, you know. But, but the Christian testimony is never just that. Uh, at Gospel Church, we don't hold the gospel to be the, the doorway only into Christianity. We take it to be the, the fundamental thing of the Christian life. Uh, it's the thing that transforms us. It's the thing that steps into every moment. Paul says, I'm going to quote this later, so I'm going to undercut myself here. Paul says, uh, speaking the truth in love, and he's talking about the truth of the gospel there in Ephesians. We grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. In, in every way, we're transformed by the truth of the gospel. Um, and it was great to hear that, that Robin's been challenged over this last year, that Robin's been encouraged. That, did you say something about a fire in the heart? I thought I heard that, and, and, and I was like, yes. Like, um, that, was, that was a happy moment for me as a pastor. Um, and not just as a pastor, as a Christian, because that's what we want to see, right? Um, Jackie's waving a phone at me. She's asking me if I'm recording. I am recording. Thank you, Jackie. Good sign language. Uh, sorry for ruining it by using actual language. Um, not that sign language isn't actual language. We're, we're... No, I'm going to stop digging. Um, yeah, we're in our vision series here at the moment at Gospel Church Middleton, and we're looking uh, toward the future, and we're asking and answering what is the vision and the mission of this church? You could probably more accurately call it the vision and mission series, but it's just a little less catchy. Um, the vision, when we say a vision, what we mean is where we see this thing going. What's the purpose? Why are we here? Uh, and the mission is the road that we take to get there. How the vision is to be fulfilled. Uh, the, the vision of Gospel Church is that we exist. I think I've got it on a thing here, actually. Um, Gospel Church exists to see the good news, the good news of the gospel of Jesus go out to all peoples in the country with transforming power for the glory of God and the joy of all who will come to believe. That's our vision statement as a church, and we hope it's going to carry us forward for years to come. It's genuinely, I think, the growing heart of the people of this church. 
uh, the congregation, and it's certainly the heart of the leaders of this church. We are about one thing. We want the good news of Jesus to be displayed, to be heard, to be known, to be enjoyed, and to be revealed again through those same people who have heard it and believed it. Uh, we want the good news to sink deep into our lives with that transforming power, and we want to see the lives of many transformed by the power of the gospel carried by the Spirit of God. We want to be changed by it to be more like Jesus. And the reason's simple. God's glory right, revealed through the gospel. God's glory revealed through the gospel is our joy as a people. Now, now last week we looked at the, the vision and the mission of God. Uh, today, uh, sorry, sorry, God's, God's vision being that his glory would be displayed, known and enjoyed throughout creation. And we saw that his mission statement, the, the chosen path by which God works, is through his people. He intends for his people to know and to enjoy his glory and therefore to display it to the world. And mirroring that, this church has a mission statement as well as our vision statement, which is that we seek to fulfill our vision through the multiplying of disciples who grow to be like Jesus, through the multiplying of gospel communities, and through the planting of more gospel churches in country places. And that, that's the how, right? That's how we see this going about. The, the method by which we seek to see the gospel of Jesus going to all peoples in the country with transforming power, primarily is through these three avenues that take us from, from the small to the big, right? From the macro to the uh, micro to the macro. I get going the wrong way around. Disciples growing to be like Jesus. Gospel communities multiplying to make, the, make and grow more disciples and more gospel churches being planted so that more and more will come to know Jesus and glorify God. And really, although we're only uh, putting this down in words right now, this, this vision and this mission, uh, representative of what has been the heart of this church since it was started, uh, the heart of the leaders of this church. And, and the reason we're now putting it into words and, and preaching a series on it is, is pretty simple, really. First, it's not enough for a few leaders to have a vision. Uh, we want to be a people who are unified in our obedience to the gospel as we pursue this vision. We desire that as a church, as a, as a people, we would be seeking the multiplication of disciples, of gospel communities and gospel churches as the gospel goes out. And second, we want this to be clear for years to come. Uh, mission drift is a real thing, if you've heard of it. Uh, when churches start, start with a clear goal and, and gradually move away from that, uh, gradually the peripheral things become the central things and the central things become... Uh, the things on the side. And so as we gather around what we're here for, we also want to lay it down clearly so that in future we can say, hey, you know, look at these things that we're doing. Do they fit into the vision and the mission that God has given us as a church? Are they there for the glory of God? Are they there for the spread of the gospel? And, and if not, you know, zip them up, throw them out. So today we're going to zero in on, on those first two parts of the mission statement. Multiplying disciples of Jesus and multiplying gospel communities. And we're going to talk about why we do that and, and what that means. Um, and, and what I hope will become clear is that these aren't just a uh, small part of the church. Uh, these are essential elements of the life of the church. 
And of course, to do that, we'll, we'll be going to, to Scripture to find our path. Uh, we'll be bouncing around all over the place. So feel free to have a Bible out today, but you will be flipping a lot of pages uh, if you want to. Uh, so first, we seek to multiply disciples who grow to be like Jesus. This is something that has been coming up a lot at Gospel Church since we started. It's probably a sentence even that you've heard out of my mouth even before it was in our mission statement. Uh, and it's not likely to stop being a key subject, to be honest. Um, on top of the foundation, which is Jesus, the primary building block of the church is the disciple. Uh, when we talk about a Christian disciple, we're talking about a man or a woman who is being grown by other Christians to be more like Jesus. We are primarily disciples of Jesus, a man or a woman grown by other Christians to be more like Jesus. And being a Christian disciple is central to the Christian life, according to the Bible. Again and again, especially in the New Testament, we're called to grow to be more like Jesus and to influence others, to disciple them in that direction. Uh, like we looked at last week, Paul calls us to grow to be like Jesus. Uh, this is how God's mission is fulfilled. We behold Jesus in the truth of the gospel, and as we behold him, we become like him. Uh, and that we got that in, in, in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, right, where he says, um, nope, it's gone. It's disappeared from my head. We, well, paraphrase, he says exactly what I just said, actually. Uh, <laughs> Uh, seeing the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, we become like him. Uh, so, so do you see the, the discipleship relationship though there? Um, we, we behold the truth of the gospel. As we behold him, we become like him. And that gospel truth is truth that is declared, truth that is spoken into our lives and represented into our lives by other Christians. We declare the gospel to each other and we grow to be like Jesus as we see him more clearly. Clearly, or You could take Ephesians chapter 4, right, which I referenced before, uh, where Paul says to every Christian in the community of believers, speak, uh, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And then he qualifies that just a couple of verses later when he says the truth is in Jesus. He's talking about the gospel truth. So as we speak gospel truths relevantly, do you know this? The, the truth of the death, resurrection, and glory of Jesus is relevant to every part of your life, every little room in your mind, every little part of your day. As we speak it relevantly into every part of one another's lives, we grow into the likeness of Jesus. I mean, you could just look at the life of Jesus, right? That's, that's, that's the easy direction. Probably should have gone there first. Uh, he's our example, uh, he leads us in the way that we are to go. Uh, and again and again, the Bible holds out as the him now as the one that we are to follow. And what did he spend his time doing? Right? He made disciples, didn't he? Again and again, he points them toward the coming reality of his death and his resurrection. So what's Jesus doing? Do you realize that when he did does that, like we read that in the scriptures, right? You know, Jesus told them that the son of man would, ha would you know, suffer and die, and, but on the third day he would rise. What's he doing there? He's not just uh, giving them a preparation, right? He's not just warning them of what's coming. I think, I think that is happening, but he's telling them the truth that they need. He's presenting the reality that they need for the transformation of their lives to them. He's telling them the gospel of the glory of God revealed in his death and resurrection before it happened. <laughs> Wrap your head around that. 
And then, of course, he does it. He rises from death, right? And he tells them, and by implication, us, all of us who follow him, go and make disciples, teaching them all to do all that I have commanded you. And he gives them the power for that task as well, because he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a power that still stands with every disciple of Jesus today, by which I mean every Christian today. So discipleship is kind of like the bread and the butter of the Christian life, if you will. In fact, it's, it's more than that. Discipleship is kind of the breathing of the Christian life. Um, the Bible sees it as that important, that cent- central, and that regular. Right? How many times have you breathed since I started that sentence? <laughs> it sees it as this regular, normal part of the Christian life, central to the Christian life. We are to live as those who are grown by other Christians to be more like Jesus and who grow other Christians to be more like him and who bring others in to see him and to grow to be like him who haven't known him before. And we do it in the power of the Spirit of God. We do it by bringing the truth of Jesus in application into each other's lives. Let me make this as clear as I can. You know cricketers, right? You're familiar with that concept. We're in Australia here. Um, they have all this gear, don't they? Like, I, I, let, me, let, me, let me level with you here. The highest level of cricket that I've ever played was next to the, uh, the ex-swimming pool in the yard at mum and dad's place. Um, it did not go well. Uh, but... Uh, so I didn't have all the gear, but proper cricketers, like test cricketers, right? They've got the pads, they've got their gloves, they've got the helmet, they've got their whites, they've got their bat, they've got the ball, they've got all these other bits and pieces, which we won't name all of. Uh, but, you know, there's so much stuff, right? And Second Peter first, uh, 1 verse 3 says that God has provided us with everything that we need for godliness through the knowledge of Jesus. If you're a Christian, if you're... Uh, If you're a Christian, it's like you're a cricketer. God's given you all that you need. He's given you the pads and the clothes and the hat and the stuff, the ball and the bat. And even more than that, he's provided the power needed, the strength and the power for you to be a great cricketer. Uh, Not not actually a cricketer. Don't don't go and break a leg. Um, If you're a Christian who isn't interested, though, in being a disciple, being a disciple who makes disciples, it's kind of like you're a cricketer who's got all the kit and he's got the potential to be a great cricketer, but he's not playing. Ball gets hit going in his direction, you know, in the field, and he just kind of lets it bounce. One hand in the pocket, one hand on the phone, right? Um, it's a, isn't that absurd? Imagine if that happened, right? Like I said, I, I'm not a cricketer and I don't know a great deal about the current team. Imagine if one of Australia's fielders, you know, out against India in the test, uh, just, just you know, he, was, he had his phone out. And he was like, no, I don't really feel like it today, guys. Sorry. Oh, is that, is that a ball? It's <laughs> cool. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? And, and that, that's what being a non-disciple Christian is like. It just doesn't make sense. It's, it's illogical. Did you know before Christians were called Christians, we were called disciples? That was our first name. Christian only comes up like halfway through the book of Acts uh, in a sentence that says, and there the the, the disciples were first called Christians. So how do we we go about it? Uh, And I just want to give you a couple of really practical steps here from the life of Jesus. We're not going to dig the whole depth of Christian discipleship, but uh, I want to say living the life of a disciple requires building intentional relationships 
Um, you look at the life of Jesus, right? And as, as Jesus started out his ministry, as soon as his gospel ministry starts, what did he do, right? We've been, we've been walking through Luke's gospel here as a church, and we're up to the start of uh, midway through chapter four of Luke's gospel. Um, what's happening there is Jesus has just started his ministry. Start of chapter five, he's calling disciples to follow him. It's, it's that immediate. Uh, he doesn't wait. He says, come, follow me, be my disciple. And what does he say to Peter? From now on, you'll be catching men. So Jesus intentionally goes out uh, and, and builds these relationships for the sake of the kingdom news going forward. He intentionally forms disciples and he intentionally forms them to make disciples because he says, you're going to be a fisher of men. I'm going to make you a maker of disciples. Second, uh, living the life of a disciple requires knowing and active dependence on God. Even in the life of Jesus, we see him praying to the Father, right? Uh, get your head around that, that God the Son prays to the Father. We see him empowered by the Spirit of God. We see him turning to Scripture and quoting its words to men and demons alike and not just to his enemies, uh, but when he teaches his disciples about himself, like when he goes on the road to Emmaus, right, he, he pulls open the scriptures and he says, this is how they speak about me. I mean, think about it. Like he's God and scripture is the words of God. He probably didn't need to do that. Like he could have just said words, right, and they would have had the same weight. But he's showing us, you know, this is, this is the dependent life of being one of my followers. This is how it looks. We're meant to learn from this, that our lives are meant to model that kind of dependence on God as well. And finally, I said two, but let me add, uh, living the life of a Christian disciple requires community. It's not something we can do on our own. I mean, it's implied in the whole idea of being a disciple, right? A disciple of what, if you're on your own? Uh, and here we're going to transition into talking about uh, that second avenue of our mission statement, uh, we seek to fulfill our vision by multiplying gospel communities. Um, if you've been in a, in a church before that has things like home groups, that is in the same vein of what we're talking about here, although with a world of difference as well, depending on the church you've gone to, I guess. Uh, you'll notice if you look at our mission statement, gospel communities, that stands as kind of the stepping stone between multiplying disciples and multiplying churches. Um, the, the, the two real big units in the Bible uh, are the disciple and the church. And this is the one that we put between as kind of this is how we get from one to the other. The mission statement moves in, in these three levels that take you from micro to macro. We fulfill our vision by multiplying disciples. Yay. Um, and, and those disciples form into what we call gospel communities. And so we fulfill our vision by multiplying gospel communities. Uh, one operates within the other, and those gospel communities eventually feed into the planting of more gospel churches in the country. I don't have a wider circle, but you get the gist. Um, the question you might ask is, why do we need the in-between step? Why not just multiply disciples and multiply churches? And that might not be clear at the moment, in part because we haven't started gospel communities yet. They're, they're a bit of a distant reality, probably, for a lot of people. Uh, they're increasingly close on the horizon for us here, uh, but we've uh, lived our first year as a church in the tension of knowing that this is so, so important, and yet we don't have it. 
But, but if I can try to answer why they're important, the answer is that discipleship is seen in the Bible uh, as something that happens not just in one-on-one relationships, but discipleship happens in community. It's extremely rare, basically absent in the life of Jesus and in the early life of the church that we read about in, in Acts and the New Testament uh, that uh, for, for this whole discipleship thing to happen one-on-one. Now, that's, that's not to say that one-on-one is bad and somehow sinful. There's also no rule against it. I do one-on-one discipling with people, so I certainly hope it's not bad. But, but when Jesus ma- made disciples, uh, he called how many of, of this closest circle? Like he called hundreds, actually, hundreds following his disciples. And then he had the closest circle, which was 12. And then within that, he had a circle of three. And it didn't get any smaller than that. There was, you don't see him. I, I don't think ever sitting down with one of his disciples to disciple them, to teach them, to grow them. And every time Paul signs off a letter, what does he do? He gives a list of people who are there with him. It's a community thing, not not just a singular one-on-one thing. Most of the commands in the New Testament are written in a way that is clear that they're to be lived out in community. Try, try having a look sometimes at the number of one another's that I brought up earlier on in the Bible. To give you a, a smattering, and there are a lot of these statements, right? Uh, we are called be patient with one another in Ephesians chapter 4. Admonish one another in Romans 15. Comfort one another and encourage one another in 1 Thessalonians. Show hospitality to one another in 1 Peter 4. And then immediately after show hospitality, we get employ the gifts that God has given for the benefits of one another. And of course, you know, probably the obvious one, love one another. Commanded like 16 times in the New Testament. Love one another, love one another, love one another. You see, our vision of gospel communi- communities isn't that they would be this kind of midweek Bible study group. You might be familiar with that concept. Um, certainly, we're going to go to Scripture together, but there to be way more than that. We live out the implications of Scripture together in these things. There to be a place to live out the life of discipleship. There to be a place where we live out the one another's together. A place to eat together, celebrate together, weep together, have fun together, get involved in each other's lives together, all for the sake of the gospel, all for the sake of living as disciples of Jesus in community together. And to just add one more critical element, gospel communities are a context in which we are to encourage each other in our day-to-day mission and live out mission in community together. Uh, When I say mission, I mean the mission to reach the lost, the mission to reach others with the gospel. It's not an inward-focused little group. Because as disciples who make disciples, we are not just meant to be making disciples of those who are already followers of Jesus, but we are to be reaching, converting, discipling people outside of the church. And so I want to repeat a few words that Matt gave us the other week uh, when he, if you were here at our vision meeting last week, um, and they are, they're this, this summary of what our gospel communities are here for. And here's the summary of what, what gospel communities are. They are disciples of Jesus living in authentic community, authentic gospel community on mission together. Now, if you want to summarize it, the gospel community is to be uh, disciples of Jesus living in authentic gospel community 
That means community centered around the gospel, on mission together. So I hope that, I, that I've got you a little bit excited for that idea. Um, otherwise, I have now done my job. Uh, I hope you're d- excited for the life of a Christian disciple. It is There is no more fulfilling and worthwhile life than growing to be more like Jesus. I hope that you're feeling challenged to seek out discipleship. And I hope you feel excited for gospel communities as a place to seek that out and a place to live that out. That's, that's the next big building block here at Gospel Church. Uh, once we get the membership stuff and the alpha stuff settled, that's the next big one to bring in. And uh, Let me just add a word from my experience as, as we finish up today. Seeking out community in this way is something that, that Crystal and I have, have had so much benefit from. We've pursued this elsewhere, right? This isn't our first round in this ring. You might think that getting involved closely in each other's lives might sound messy, might sound difficult to you. It is, not going to lie to you, there is a mess to it, but it's also the most fruitful context for growing as Christian disciples that I've ever seen. Because gospel communities exist for us to live in authentic community. Um, they're also the place where we've formed some of the closest relationships we've ever had with other brothers and sisters. And of course, we step into the mess of all of this. We're willing to step into the difficulty and the mess and the joy and the wonder of it because we want to see the gospel go out to others. We don't want it to be about just us. We want to see it go out with transforming power for the glory of the God, of God and the joy of all who will believe. So uh, that's our mission as a church. Why don't I pray for us? Because as I mentioned, we need dependence on God for this. Jesus, thank you that you are with us always, even to the end of the age. That the work of making disciples is not the work of me or of any of us alone, but it is the work of your spirit working in us by the power of Jesus, by the power of God. And so we can step confidently into that work. We can step confidently forward and know that you will grow us to be more like you, Jesus, and you will uh, challenge us and you will admonish us and you will encourage us and you will love us. Uh, And we know that so clearly because you are powerful in the work and you have shown that by your cross and your resurrection. Lord, we pray that we would never be a church that drifts from the gospel. That we'd never step far away from the truth that Jesus died for our sin and that Jesus rose in glorious life, which is now in us, and that he's coming back. Lead us, Lord, as we start gospel communities uh, to be genuine in that name, for them to be communities of the gospel, places where we increasingly see our lives changed by the gospel, where marriages are transformed, where workplaces are made different, where our approach to every facet of our lives would be moved to be more like the life of Jesus, 
as we see him more clearly in community together. Yeah, Lord, work with transforming power in us. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.